2: to the Orlando Magic Daily Live. Today is October 29th, 2017. This will be the beginning of Lockdown Magic for October 30th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosmannik. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Coming to you from uh, my mom's basement. You can see my room over here. Um, this room I grew up in, but whatever. I'm um, coming to you today with the Orlando Magic. Unbelievably in first place in the Eastern Conference at 4-1. They have the second best record in the NBA, and we all know that's going to continue. And so now we have to change all our expectations and actually talk about the playoffs and, and, and winning championships. Well, not quite. It is for, The Magic are 4-1. and one. They're playing some fantastic basketball right now. They are playing like one of the best teams in the league. They've gotten off to a really, really good start. But there is a long way to go left in the season. As, uh, as several players have noted throughout this run as, as as the media have asked them like At what point do we think this is real what, what, how, what do you make of this start um, as many players have pointed out they know how quickly things can go downhill they saw that in 2016 and and Evan Fournier and Nikola Vucevic have brought that up specifically and said you know we got off to a really good start in 2016 under under Scott Skiles and then things fell apart and we couldn't get it back and so they know there is a long 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 way to go in this season and and they cannot take anything for granted they certainly cannot take uh this start for granted and they have to continue to work and continue to get better and continue to make their team uh significantly better uh in in the long run so the magic do have um a lot going on a lot um to, to focus on a lot to think about as um as they continue on, uh, I do want to note if you're if you're watching on Facebook Live, I am recording this off of a backup computer that I have. I've, I've had some computer issues, which is why. There was no show on Friday, even though I promised there would be a show on Friday. I had some computer issues. So, if there are any technical issues, if the audio isn't great, I apologize for that. If there are any issues, just leave a comment. Let me know. That's for the live audience. For those listening on Locked On Magic, I'm recording this off my recorder. So, the audio quality may not be fantastic for today's show. It'll probably mix. I've I've gotten my computer issues resolved. Just not in time to do this part of the show. I wanted to make sure I talked to you all um, around 1 p.m. on a Sunday before the Magic's game there. With that all out of the way, before we dive further into into some of these issues, I do want to make a quick announcement regarding Locked On Magic. Uh, the Locked On Magic podcast will continue; it, it, it's not on hiatus or anything. Uh, but we have officially moved over to the Panoply Network. Uh, so I, 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 I want to thank the fine folks at Audio Boom. Uh, they were fantastic hosts. Um, very, if you're if you're looking to get into podcasting, they do a really really nice job. But the Locked On Network has officially moved over to Panoply. If you're listening to this podcast on Audio Boom or using a feed using Audio Boom. This will probably be the last show that you receive on that feed. Um, if you don't receive Locked On Magic, say on Tuesday, be sure to switch over to Panoply. Um, just shoot me, shoot me a message, shoot me a, a, a message on Twitter saying, "Hey, I can't find Locked On Magic," and I will do my best to help you find the feed. I'll probably tweet out the feed. Uh, new as well tomorrow too, so just be on the lookout for that. Um, really excited about the move to Panoply, uh, fantastic podcast uh, podcast hosting network as well. Uh, Locked On is is very fan- very excited about this move too. So going to be some 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 nice changes coming to the Locked On podcast network and as well as Locked On Magic that we're very very excited about um, in the coming uh, in the coming days and, and weeks and months and all that. But uh, I also want to uh, say a quick word as well about um draft um uh, we we've started a new partnership with draft which is fantastic uh daily fantasy site you've pretty, you pretty instead of having a salary based fantasy draft fantasy system where you just kind of pick uh, players and, and trying to fit under salary cap. In draft, you have a live fantasy draft every single day and you compete against a set number of people. Uh, and you have to actually use drafting strategy to, to pick the players that you want for the game. Uh, so be sh- so definitely check that out. Um, uh, if you go back and listen to Wednesday's show, there's a special promo code that you can get for trying draft for the first time. I tried it out for the first time on Wednesday. I did very poorly, but I had an absolute blast doing it. I look forward to doing it again, and I look forward to playing you on the Locked On Podcast Network's official Draft Channel um, if you can find it. I'll have more details on that on Wednesday. Draft is draft. Wednesday is Draft Wednesday, so you'll hear more about Draft there. Let's turn to the Magic though. Uh, that's enough intro. I've w- I'm wasting plenty of time here. Let's turn to the Magic now. Uh, the Orlando Magic are four and one. Best, team, best record in the Eastern Conference, second best record in the NBA. The surprise team in the league, uh, our good pal Chris Barnwall of CBS Sports, has written at least two or three things on them. Uh, James Herbert of CBS Sports wrote a thing on them. Uh, and everyone's talking about the Magic all of a sudden. We're, we're like the center of attention, even though we're never going to be on national TV. But uh, the Magic are playing some fantastic basketball right now. There's no getting around it. You watch that game against the Spurs, and it was just an was absolute... Take down. They, they tore the Spurs apart. And yet, there's still this feeling of what is really real at this point. What is real about the Orlando Magic through the first five games of the season? Can we really believe this team? I'm not quite ready to say, oh, this is definitely a playoff team. It's time to change our expectations. I don't think we're there yet. I think we're still a few weeks away from getting to that point. But I do want to say that while I still believe that the way the Magic are playing or the way the Magic are winning still says a little bit more about the Spurs and Cavs and where they're at in their development than less about the Magic because I think there are still some big flaws with the Magic uh, and, and they're going to come down to earth at some point with their shooting. I do think we can now successfully say that the Magic do have this in them, that this is not some isolated incident. That this is something real, I'm not sure what it is, but it is something real that we can believe in, that we can, uh, that we can at least kind of hold on to for this early part of the season. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, yeah. As I said I said last week, when the Magic beat the Cavaliers and led by as much as 36 points. Um, or 37 in that game, I don't remember. 30-point losses say more about the losing team than they do about the winning team. I still believe that. This is the NBA. On any given night, an NBA team will get hot and beat any other NBA team by 20. We've seen the Warriors lose by 20. It's a long season. It's an 82-game season. And teams uh, teams are going to have bad nights. They're going to have good nights. And they're NBA teams. The Chicago Bulls will beat someone by 20 this year. I don't care how bad the Bulls are. There will be a night when everything is clicking for them and everything's not clicking for the other team. It might be back-to-back. It might be one of the rare four to four and fives. There are schedule losses. There are just bad games. Everyone has a bad game. To me, the trick about the NBA and the 82-game schedule is consistency. What can you give me every single night? What can you do every single night that you can rely on when things are going bad? Not disastrously bad, but when things are going bad, what can you do? That will keep you afloat. And honestly, the win against the Nets on Tuesday was, to me, just as impressive as the win over the Spurs on Friday. Because the Magic didn't have their best stuff. They didn't shoot the ball particularly well. And yet, they still found a way to win that game. Even against the Nets in Brooklyn, the game that they lost, the Magic didn't have their best stuff. And at the time, you know, we thought, oh, this is the same old Magic losing to a bad team like the Brooklyn Nets. They stuck in that game. They, they could have gotten blown out in that game. They did not play well on the defensive end. But they, something ratcheted up in them. Their urgency picked up in that fourth quarter, and they came back and made that again. They had a chance to win that game. They had a three-pointer to tie it at the end that didn't go down. Tuesday night, the Magic again did not look great. They were trailing the entire game, and they, they found a little switch, or they found something. They found some urgency that got them back into the game. That's really, really impressive that they were able to do that. And, and Brooklyn is Brooklyn. They, they, Brooklyn made some self inflicted wounds. The Magic actually made some self inflicted wounds as well. But the Magic just found a way to stay in the game. And, and what I always said about the 2008, 2009, and 2010 teams, what always really impressed me, and, and some of it might have been just it's been a long time since I'd seen a, a championship real contending team with the Magic. Good teams, the really good teams, find a way to win games when you don't think they should win the game. And I think that's what the Magic did, and really, in those two games against Brooklyn. It's against Brooklyn, so how much are you really going to take, take out of it? It's the same opponent. It's, it's a quirky opponent, too. Um, a, a good opponent. The Nets aren't a bad team. I think we can all come away saying that now. But that's, that, 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 that to me, said a lot more about the character of the Magic than anything else. When it comes to the, the Cavs and Spurs games, the Cavs showed a lot of their weaknesses in that game. Similarly, Friday night, the Spurs also showed a lot of their weaknesses. The Spurs rely, right now, without Tony Parker and Kawhi Leonard in the game, rely very heavily on LaMarcus Aldridge as the center of their offense. And when the Magic kind of shut him down, LaMarcus Aldridge had a really good first quarter. And the Magic were really struggling to defend him and get their switches down. But once they really got their defensive game plan fine-tuned and really shut him down... San Antonio had nowhere else to go. And Orlando's confidence just kept building and building and building and building. They were able to get stops and get out in transition. And they were able to beat up the Spurs pretty badly. Uh, the Spurs are a, team, are a big team. And I'm going to be very interested to see how the Magic play the Pelicans on Monday. Because the, the, uh, I thought the Magic would struggle with the Spurs' size. But the Magic counteracted the Spurs' size with speed. And the Spurs couldn't keep up with their speed. And so once the game opened up, San Antonio just could not slow them down. And so that, to me, says a lot more about the Spurs. I mean, you heard me talking about the things the Magic did to the Spurs. And it's not to take away anything from what the Magic did. But again, that says a lot about the Spurs. But like I said, that consistency thing. What can you do every single night? What can you do uh, when when you don't have your best stuff? What can you do when you're at your best? What can you rely on every night? The Magic have now beaten two very good teams. Two teams that everyone expects to be a contending team. Beating them pretty handily. And while you don't want to take those games in isolation, you take them in tandem, and now you see a pattern develop. Now you see the Magic able to do this on a not not irregular basis. That they can come out on fire and really dictate the game plan and really dictate the game with their pace, with their speed, and with their shooting ability. Who knows how long this hot shooting is going to last? The Magic, I think, are second in the league in, in field goal percentage and, and second, and they're third in the league, I think, in offensive rating. They're now in the top 10 in defensive rating. Um, who knows how long any of this is going to last? When the offense cools off, are the Magic going to be able to score 114 points per game? Like they've, they, they've scored at least 114 points in every single game this year. Um Is their defense going to be reliable? I think that is a huge question left for this team. While the defense has played well, they're a top 10 defense in the league so far, even with two games against the Brooklyn Nets, who are one of the best offensive teams in the league so far. Even with that, they're fouling a lot. They're giving up a lot of offensive rebounds. Uh, If you're listening on Locked on Magic, you'll be listening to this after the Charlotte Hornets game, and I'll do a recap of that um, in a moment. Um, If you're listening on the podcast, if you're watching on Facebook Live, it obviously hasn't happened yet. Um, But if... You know, I'm I'm a little concerned against the Hornets with the rebounding because Dwight Howard has been tearing up on the rebounding. Against the Pelicans, uh, I think the Pelicans' athleticism with their bigs is going to give the Magic some trouble because of that rebounding, because of the Pelicans' ability to crash the glass. Um, the Magic have struggled on the glass, containing offense rebounds. They've recovered well. Give them give them all the credit for recovering well and for for playing at that high level. The Ma- I mean, the Magic have earned these wins. Um, Cleveland game especially, like the, the lead got cut down to seven, and the Magic went on a, you know thirty-one to nine run to, to retake control of that game and go up by thirty. Um, it, there's definitely as, as I, Donald Donald H- L. Hampton here says in the comments, winning like that breeds confidence. Confidence is a big part of what it takes to get rolling. Absolutely, this Magic team is co- as confident as I've seen them in a very long time. They're 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 humble. They know they got a lot of work to do. They know they still have to get better, but they definitely sense this. Um, they definitely feel this momentum going. They definitely feel that they're rolling down the hill a little bit right now. Uh, and, and, and you can definitely feel it. I mean, there's definitely a different aura about this team. And the fact that they're getting off to such a good start, I think, is um, something that I was a little worried about, that they needed to get off to a good start to build that confidence. And they really have built a lot of that confidence. They really have continued to kind of keep things moving downhill in, in a very positive fashion. So, how much do we believe in this team through five games? Can we take these two blowout victories and find meaning in them? And my answer is yes, because it is a pattern now. It is a pattern that when the Magic can the Magic can get a team down and put their foot down, it it takes a lot. I mean, uh, the, I know some reporters who went into the San Antonio locker room and and they told me it was quiet, like the Magic put a hurt on the Spurs. They put a hurt on a really good, really veteran basketball team. And that's not something to... That's not something to shoo away. That's not something to ignore. That's not something to to say, oh, it's just the beginning of the season. This is something different. And I'm not ready to say the Magic are going to get a home court in the Eastern Conference. They're going to be the surprise team in the East that this will continue and maintain. I think we'll learn a lot about that this week. Magic play at Charlotte tonight, at New Orleans on Monday, and at Memphis on Wednesday. That's A, a busy week, because they also play Friday against Chicago. That's um, a three game road trip against three pretty good teams. Charlotte's two and three, they're tricky. Memphis, or, or New Orleans, has played very, very well. They got a nice win over the Cavs yesterday or on Saturday. Uh, and then Memphis is playing very, very well too. They just beat Houston. Um, and and really beat them up. And, and they, they look gritty and, and determined, just like the Magic do. So we're going to learn a lot about the Magic this week, about just kind of their long-term standing power. And I, I don't expect them to get out of this week unscathed. I think we will see the Magic lose at some point this week. It would not surprise me if it's tonight in Charlotte. would not surprise me if it's tomorrow night in New Orleans. And it would not surprise me if it is Wednesday night in Memphis. It, these are three very, very difficult teams. to say difficult road trip. But at the same time, I think what we've learned from these first five games is the magic do have something they can rely on that when things get tough they do have an identity to fall back on they do have an ability to overcome some of their own shortcomings and find a way to win and i think that is just absolutely key to the team's success that is absolutely key to the team continuing to build and develop momentum uh and 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 we've getting these big blowout wins only breeds confidence only breeds that belief Uh, in the team and and breeds that um, ability to continue getting better. The Magic know they have a long way to go. There are still 77 games left in the season. There is still a long way to go. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be losing streaks. And how the Magic respond to losing streaks will say just as much as anything else. But what we've seen in the first five games is a Magic team that's determined, that's playing together, that believes and buys into a system. And that's only going to serve them well moving down the road. The, the margin of victory only proves how bought in they are and how much success they're seeing. But what, we'll really learn, what we really learn about this team is not coming from the blowouts. It's coming from the close games that they play and, and the gritty wins they have to get. The win against Brooklyn said a lot. This week's road trip will say a lot. The West Coast trip in a couple weeks will say a lot and i think by the time the magic get back from that west coast trip in mid november we will have a firm grasp on this team and what they'll be able to do the next 3 weeks are going to be big weeks for the magic this week next week and, and the west coast trip following that because in those trips in that uh in that uh um in that stretch of the schedule we're going to find out whether this magic team um, is ready to compete for a playoff spot and maybe a little bit more or whether this team's going to kind of fall back down to earth and and what this team really is and you know i think at this point i think it's fair to up the expectations and say you know from what i've seen from this team i think that they should be a playoff team i think it's okay to adjust that expectation i'm maybe not 100 there yet yet um but at 4-1, with the way they've played, with the teams they've beaten, I think it's okay for fans to start saying, I think we have a playoff team, if they didn't believe it before, to adjust that expectation and to hold them to that standard. I absolutely think it's it's it, we're at that point. Whether they will actually meet that standard, whether they will actually get there, I think we'll find that out in the next three weeks. And I think when the Magic get back from that West Coast trip um, in mid-November, that's when we can firmly reset our expectations. Right now, the Magic are beyond expectations everyone in the fan base is just ecstatic I, I haven't felt this much energy about the magic in a very very long time even when they got off to that hawk start in 2012 after dwight and was just kind of a middle finger to dwight um uh but um certainly and, and, and donald donald a great comment there i expected playoffs for the start but i didn't expect us to be four and one right now i think everyone right now has lifted their expectations up a notch like i thought the magic would be in the playoff race but ultimately fall short I'm moved up to the playoff picture now. I think the Magic can be a playoff team. I'm I'm fairly certain that that would be a fair expectation after this start. Um, if you thought the Magic were a playoff team, now you're thinking, okay, now we should be, you know, maybe in the fight for home court advantage or a sure playoff team, not a team fighting to get in on the la- in the last couple weeks. Uh, so definitely a lot, a lot to be excited about with this Magic team, and they've certainly raised the bar. Um, with my short time remaining, I do want to get out of here uh, fairly quickly because I do have a lot more show to get to and record later on tonight after the game against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, but Jonathan Osborne actually reminded me of a topic I wanted to talk about a little bit here on the show. Jonathan asks, what are we going to do once Alfred is ready to go? So, the Alfred Payton thing is a debate I've seen a lot on Magic Twitter. Um, It's something I've weighed in on. Um, I'm pretty much in the camp that Alfred Payton is the better point guard for this team. When he gets back, he starts, no questions asked. D.J. augustin has been fantastic, don't get me wrong. D.J. Augustin has been very, very, very good. Better than I expected. I still think this team is better with Alfred Payton, and, and I think that if you go back and watch his game with the Miami Heat, and even the, with the Brooklyn Nets, as good as the offense is now, it was even better with Payton. And I, I get the shooting issue, and, and, and it's not, it's not, this is not a, a, to answer the long-term question about Alfred Payton, but I think for the short term, I think this team is still much better with Alfred Payton as the Magic's point guard. Having said that, um, Alfred Payton is still. It seems like a week away. He's definitely out tonight against Charlotte. Uh, you know, Sunday against Charlotte. Um, the last, the last report or rumor that I saw uh, was that he is not going to be back until possibly next Sunday against Boston. It's again, it's kind of a day-to-day thing. When he's ready, he'll go. Um, and like I said, when he's ready to go, I think that um, when he's ready to go. I think that Alfred Payton starts. I, I don't think it's a doubt. Um, we've seen Payton, you know, maybe first game he comes off the bench to get, a, get his get his feet back under him, you know, literally. Uh, but we've seen Payton kind of pout a little bit when he doesn't start um, because he has the expectation of being a starter. I think he's earned that role, even though D.G. Augustin's been very good. Payton, I think, is the best option to start, um, and you don't want to lose him that way because he is so important. And while I, I, everyone agrees the jump shooting issue is an issue. To me, the issue with Payton isn't his jump shooting; it's his defense. Um, I'd rather see him improve on on his defense than his jump shot right now, because I think he can create his own shot effectively enough that he doesn't need to shoot. He doesn't need to. to he needs only needs to make enough jumpers to keep teams honest. But at the same time, uh, I think DJ Augustin is a much bigger defensive liability than Alfred Payton. Augustin's played great. I'm not taking away anything from DJ Augustin, but look at the point guards the Magic have played. Um, the, Magic, the best point guard the Magic have played is, it, with, with Augustin in the starting lineup is D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell struggled with a shot, still scored 29 points, still got to the foul line a lot. I think the Magic actually used Terrence Ross as the primary defender on him. It certainly used Terrence Ross at the end of the game on, DJ, on D'Angelo Russell. And while there's a lot of switching, that primary defender is a big deal. Um, with Augustin, the Magic have had to hide him. There's... I, 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 I can't... I mean, I'm saying this as nicely as I can. The Magic have hid DJ Augustin defensively. Um, and, and I'm actually very curious to bring Peyton back in the starting lineup where Peyton can guard the point guard a little bit more and have Terrence Ross be that free safety guy. Because Terrence Ross has been really good playing passing lanes, and he wants to play the passing lane... Um, uh, Wants to play those passing lanes really well. But... um but he often leaves his man wide open and so I'd rather have Ross be the guy that you hide on defense and let him roam around a little bit and kind of be a, a the go-to double teamer or or anything or something like that so um that's, that's, that's definitely something the Magic will consider. Uh, I think Alfred Payton is the starter. I, I don't think there's a doubt about that. Um, you know, we'll see how he plays when he gets back. If he struggles when he gets back, then we'll, we'll have that conversation. But that spot, DJ Augustin is just keeping the spot warm as well as he's played, and he's a big part of the reason why the Magic are 4-1 right now because his shot's been incredible, um, and he's been very aggressive and much better than I thought he'd be getting out in transition Alfred Payton just pushes the pace so much more, and that's who this Magic team is. You want to be true to your identity, and that's who this Magic team is. Uh, Nathaniel Collins asks thoughts on Mar- Mario Ozonia and his play. Uh, Mario Ozonia has been a pleasant surprise for me. Um, I, you know, I've been, I, I'm, I, I've been on this show um, plenty of times. I've been online plenty of times. I've been plenty. I've been very hard on Mario Ozonia uh, to, to the point where people criticize me for being so hard on Mario Ozonia. Uh, but Ozonia has been really good. Uh, you know, I, I, I've said forever that are not really good but he's been fine um i've said forever that for mario zonio to get on the court he has to make shots that is his nba skill that is what made what got him drafted what made him an nba player uh and so last year when he wasn't making shots it was tough to leave him on the floor because he was still a huge defensive liability now he's making shots and he's you know not a negative on the floor. I mean, I think the goal for Mario Ozonia this year, forget him being the number five pick. We're past the point of Mario Ozonia, fifth overall pick. He's not fifth overall pick Mario Ozonia now. He's just Mario Ozonia. The key for Mario Ozonia this year was to become a rotation player. I think the Magic will pick up his option on October 31st. The Magic have until Tuesday to pick up his, his team option for its fourth year. I think they will do that. There's no reason not to. Uh, and the key for Ozonia is become a useful player. Become a player that the coach can put in the game and rely on pretty readily. Um, so, I think that Hazonia has done that. I think the Magic can rely on him. It's very matchup dependent with him because I think he's still, still, they want to play him as a four, um, even though I think he's a three and, and he probably can't keep up with quicker threes on defense. So his defense is still a little bit of an issue, but his intention, the attention is there. He's gotten better at it. He's gotten, he's, he's improved. You can tell he's improved. And now that his shot is falling, he's at least a you know, a usable player. I don't think he'll be consistent yet, but I've seen very good things from him to the point where I don't have a problem putting him in, in the rotation and letting him play and and letting him get some minutes. Uh, So it's very matchup dependent right now. I think we'll see him tonight in Charlotte. Um, uh, We didn't see him against San Antonio because I think the Spurs went big and the Magic didn't want to put him in against a LaMarcus Aldridge or, or one of their bigger bigs. Uh, so, I, I, I think we'll see Azonia play and get his minutes uh, and, and, and continue to develop. And, and we've seen him develop very, very well. Um, this has been a question that's been on everyone's mind. I plan on writing a column about it um, very soon, hopefully this week. Jasmine Hawkins asks Would you do the trade for Eric Bledsoe? Uh, and, and certainly, plenty of people ask me if the Magic should kick the tires on Eric Bledsoe. Uh, anytime a deal comes across, I always say you should at least, you should always explore. You know, there's nothing wrong with exploring and, and getting a sense of it. Um, at this point, with how well the Magic are playing at 4-1, and one, and, I, and I, I agree with Frank Vogel, uh, he said after the game on Friday, the continuity bump has been greater than I expected. At this point, it seems like the Suns want to do an Eric Bledsoe deal sooner rather than later. I kick the tires, I explore it, I do my research, but if I'm the Magic, I am not touching this team right now. Uh, I am not looking to disrupt chemistry. I'm not looking to uh, to make waves in any way that that would that would throw anyone off. Um, at this point, this group works. And some of you, pro- and I've gotten this argument plenty of times. Some of you would say, "Oh, well, if this group works, why would you put Alfred Payton back in the starting lineup?" That's different. Alfred Payton has a continuity with this group. You can slide him right in, and no one would miss a beat because it's Alfred Payton. They know how he plays. They know what he likes to do. With uh, Eric Bledsoe, um, that's adding a completely new element to the team. That's a completely new person, completely new attitude, completely new style of player. And so at this early point in the season, I just think it's too early to really pull the trigger on anything. I'm not saying the Magic shouldn't explore it. I'm not saying the Magic should should uh, go after it or, or think about it a little bit. Because uh, Eric Bledsoe is a very good player and would give the Magic something that... Maybe they have, maybe they don't. We don't really know. We don't really know. I mean, the way Evan Forney is playing, Evan Forney looks like he's a 20-point-per-game scorer right now. Um, and he's been the most consistent player on the Magic roster, even though Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon have the big games. Um, you know, maybe the Magic don't need offense right now. Really, uh, It's really hard to uh, pinpoint exactly what the Magic need because they're playing so well. So at this point, I think you explore it. I think you keep lines open. But if I'm the Magic, I am not touching this roster. I'm not doing anything to change this roster in any way um, and disrupt it, even letting rumors leak. At this point, I I like the approach that Jeff Weltman and John Hammond have taken, being patient, kind of letting things develop and evaluating. And and they're getting a great evaluation right now. They're getting a good look at this team. And you know, when the team hits a rough spot and we really kind of begin to see where this team's weaknesses are, um, then maybe you explore it a little bit more seriously. Right now, though, I say... Hands off, let this team do its thing. Um, I, I think Jonathan Colon is right. It's about the ball movement right now, and the Magic are moving the ball very, very well. And Bledsoe's a little bit of an isolation player, and, and maybe the Magic need an isolation player at some point. Um, maybe that is a weakness that they have that, that they haven't had to deal with quite yet. Um, but right now, I, I'd say hands off. Just just let this team roll. They're rolling. right. They're playing well right now anyway. Um, last question I'm going to take here before I log off the Facebook Live. Jonathan Osborne asks, will Simmons overtake Ross as a starter anytime soon? Kind of along the same lines, I don't want to mess up uh, uh, chemistry too much or rotations too much when the team is doing well. But if the team hits a little bit of a rough patch, if the team falls off a little bit, this is a question that's going to rise up. And it's a question that we expected early on in the season. Um, I held the posture at the beginning of the season, that the Magic needed to develop trust in Jonathan Simmons and see exactly what he could do, um, and that Terrence Ross just had good continuity and good chemistry with the starting group. So, uh, you know, I'm still in that boat. Um, even though Terrence Ross has struggled mightily this season uh, from the, with a shot, his shot has been just off and terrible, um, he still gets a lot of respect for his shot. And I, I still really like Simmons with that second unit. I really like him on the ball as the primary ball handler, primary scorer with that second unit. And I think you lose a little bit of that with with Ross. But if the team gets into into a little bit of a struggle and the team needs to get an offensive kick or the team needs to mix things up or the team needs a little bit more defense, we are at the point where Jonathan Simmons probably should be the starter over Terrence Ross. If we're just basing it on on play and not any of the other stuff like chemistry, like momentum, like like rhythm, if we're going to push all that aside... Jonathan Simmons is playing better than Terrence Ross right now. And if you want to start your five best players, yes, Jonathan Simmons should start. Uh, again, things are going so well right now, you don't want to tinker with it. The team is 4-1. and one. They're, they're, they're playing really, really well. I mean, for, for reference here, the teams that win championships usually are in the top 10 in offense and top 10 in defense, or offensive rating and defensive rating. The Magic are one of four teams right now that are in the top 10 in offensive rating and defensive rating. So just let that sink in. Through five games, the Magic are are a championship contender statistically. I wouldn't mess with that too much right now. The the roles are working. Things are working really, really well. And so while Terrence Ross is maybe not playing better than anyone else, um, better than than Simmons right now, and and yeah, that probably would, would logically mean, yeah, Simmons should start, I think Simmons is playing really, really well in his role, and obviously the Magic are, are winning for it. Um, I think, Jonathan, you're right here. Um, Jonathan Osborne writes, I like Simmons in crunch time over Ross defensively, and we've seen that. We've seen the Magic. Actually, against Brooklyn, the Magic brought Jonathan Simmons in for DJ Augustin and played a lineup of Simmons, Ross, Fournier, Gordon, Vucevic defensively to close that game. Uh, and they had actually Ross on Russell, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they are doing that. They are using Simmons in crunch time, and, and and you you'll hear the common refrain: it's it's about who finishes the game, not who starts the game. So you're you are seeing Simmons play defensively. They are doing that offense defense, which and I think we we'll, we will continue to see that. I think we will see Simmons play defensively against uh, against crunch time lineups. Um, and 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 I don't think the Magic minds Simmons going to the offensive end if they can't sweat, sub their offense back in. Right now, I think there's still a little bit more belief in Ross's offense and ability to spread the floor more than Simmons, especially when Peyton's out there. Uh, But again, I think this debate's not going to go away. I think we'll see this debate pop up again. We know the Magic are going to go through a rough patch in the season. When that happens, that's when some of this will get explored a little bit more. We'll really begin to examine this lineup and what works and what doesn't work. Um, But Simmons has played fantastic. Simmons has been better than I expected. Um, you know, guy who averaged six points per game. I thought his scoring would jump up a little bit, but he has played very, very well. I think he really fits that second unit really, really well. Um, and, and I think the Magic have good options. And I think that's what's most important. Uh, we know a rough patch is going to come in this season eventually, uh, so you you do have to kind of wait for that to maybe make the, to to kind of find these things. And, you know, you don't want to you don't want to spend too much time with a team that's playing so well finding the errors. Um, that's the coach's job, actually. And I'm sure they are. I'm sure they pointed out, you know, we're, we're fouling way too much. We're giving up way too many free throws. Offensive rebounds aren't great. Um, you know, our shot selection has been a little iffy sometimes. We're relying too much on the three-pointer. Um, but uh, but other than that, things are working. They're, they're, they're playing well despite these mistakes. And so, at some point, this is going bite to them, bite them in the butt a little bit. Um, but, again, I, I think right now... You don't want to mess with things too much. Wait for that moment. Maybe wait for the trade, closer to the trade deadline when teams have begun stratifying themselves and and you can start thinking about things as far as as how to make the team better in the short term as well as the long term. Don't forget there's a long term picture here to consider too. Um, And so uh, it's a long way to go. Right now, the Magic are playing extraordinarily well. Uh, there's a lot to like. There's a lot to believe in. A lot that, that definitely seems permanent about this team. There's, they're going to come back down to earth with their shooting a little bit, probably. Um, and then we'll really learn just how good this defense is and how good this, how good this Magic team really is. And, and it's exciting to see that. I, honestly, I, you know, losses aren't good, but you learn a lot in losses. And, and so I'm actually kind of excited to see uh, how this team reacts. This week on the road is a huge week. No, no doubt about. it. We're going to learn a lot about the magic this week, uh, and so we'll 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 have that uh, completely covered as we go. Um, I don't want to ignore you here, Steon Cipolla. Um, he asked trade boots when we get high value. Um, value is probably as high as it's going to be right now. Um, he's played very, very well. He's been respectable defensively. Like I said with the Eric Bledsoe stuff, though, now is not the time to mess around with the roster. Bismack Biyombo, I thought, has actually played very, very well. Um, he's done some, some great things defensively with that second unit, but Vucevic is still the best center option, and and I'm not comfortable starting Biyombo quite yet. And, and as I've said with Vucevic, and I say this with Peyton too, point guard and center are such important positions um, if you have even a mediocre starter, you don't give that up unless you have their replacement in place. Um, right now, Vuc is playing fantastic. I don't think we should even entertain a trade for with Vucevic right now unless there's a better center coming back. Um, but again, I don't think we should be really entertaining any trades right now anyway. The team's 4-1 and one and playing really, really well. Let's let that play out first, and then we'll, we'll evaluate the roster from there. That's going to do it for me for the Facebook Live portion of the show. I want to thank everyone for joining me on Facebook Live. Sorry, I came in a little bit late. I've been having computer issues. I had to go get a new computer and and fix that. Um, Hopefully, that will make life better for me and for you uh, in in the future. You can, of course, um, check out the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live by going to the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Orlando Magic Daily. You can... Uh, We'll be doing a Facebook Live roughly every Sunday at noon. That is my plan for the season to do kind of interactive 30 to 40 minute show on Facebook Live. It'll be Monday's episode of Locked on Magic. And of course, you can now find Locked on Magic on the Panoply network of podcasts. It's at panoply.fm. I'm not sure if we're in the search tool there, but I'll do the embed code. I'll send out the RSS feeds once I get that all set up. Um, If you're listening on Locked on Magic right now, we're going to take a quick break uh, you know, get, get those ads in now. And then we will talk about Mo- Sunday's game against the Charlotte Hornets.
1: This lockdown podcast is brought to you by home chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout cook more at home, but I'll be honest. I haven't been consistent. That is until I found home chef home chef provides fresh ingredients Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
2: Let's dive in. Then the Orlando magic took on the Charlotte Hornets on Sunday, riding high on their four and one start and hit a little bit of a roadblock. The Charlotte Hornets defeated the Orlando magic 120, to 113 in the game on Sunday. Uh, a disappointing effort from the Orlando Magic as it was really the first time all year. The Magic looked completely out of sync on both offense and defense. Charlotte, sh- Orlando shoots 42.3% from the floor, 33.3%, 11 for 33 from beyond the arc. Charlotte shoots 54.1% from the floor, just 6 for 18 from beyond the arc, but gets an absolutely huge game from Kemba Walker. 34 points for Kemba Walker on 15 for 25, shooting 10 assists. He was simply unstoppable. The Magic just could not corral him in the pick and roll. He was able to get into the lane against any defender the Magic sent up against him and get all the way to the basket, if not hit some tough mid-range jumpers uh, on top of that. The Magic just could not stop him as Charlotte opened up as much as a, I believe it was a 17-point lead at one point, um, and and really just dominated the game. Uh, biggest lead was 16 points for the Hornets. Really just dominated the game, forced the Magic to chase it. And Orlando really struggled, as I meant, as I noted. They really struggled to shoot the ball. They couldn't really find that offensive flow. And all credit should go to the Charlotte Hornets defense. They did a good job pushing the Magic into areas of the floor that, that they could trap them and that they could really get after them. Uh, there, they forced the Magic to make these really difficult cross-court passes and, and forced them into difficult mid-range shots. This was not the... Flow and space offense that the Magic had displayed throughout the beginning of the season. This was a team that was really, really struggling. It seemed to 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 just find a consistent rhythm. The stat line shows this off. In addition to the poor shooting, Nikola Vucevic six for seventeen from the floor, fifteen points, eleven rebounds, just two for eight from beyond the arc. The Magic, the Hornets were happy to let him shoot threes. He was open. You feel confident with him shooting that. He's definitely settled for that three-pointer and did not make them. And and really, those misses had a negative effect on him. I'll get to that in a moment. Aaron Gordon, 17 points, 7-for-16 shooting, really struggled from the floor. Terrence Ross had 17 points, a little bit of a bounce-back game for him, but still shot only 6-for-15, 1-for-5 from beyond the arc. DJ Augustin goes scoreless in 23 minutes, 0-for-7 shooting from the floor. That's the kind of game the Magic were playing. What really hurt, though, was the defense. The Magic just were not able to defend at a high level at all. It seemed like they lacked a little bit of urgency and intensity throughout the game. Kind of felt like a game where they felt like they could maybe turn the switch on and and get the stops that they needed or they would rely too much on their offense. The defense, instead, was just very poor. They let Dwight Howard get a lot of space early on, uh, let him kind of get close to the basket, Nikola Vucevic especially, with all the missed shots that he had really struggled to kind of get his footing defensively. He looked like bad defense, Nikola Vucevic, that we've seen for several years now. Just a frustrated game for him. Um, but really, the whole Magic team just looked a bit lost. There were several occasions where the Magic tried to switch and either didn't make the switch or both guys switched and they left one open. The, the communication was just very poor all night from the Magic. There were uh, several possessions where it looked like both players were pointing at, a play, pointing at an open shooter while he took an open three, and just they were just not on the same page tonight, and so a little bit of a hiccup on that end for the Magic, uh, to say the least. There were some positive signs though, and, and I think that uh, the the biggest positive sign is that this was a game where the Magic really should have been beaten pretty bad. They were uh, beat up, they were beaten pretty handily throughout the game. Uh, I thought the Hornets were the better team throughout the game, and yet, and yet. The Magic cut this lead down to three in the fourth quarter. They, they were within striking range. They were down five for a good chunk of the fourth quarter. They were just unable to get over the hump and unable to take back the lead. So the Magic fought back. And I think with the effort, and effort's probably the wrong word, with the intensity and urgency they were playing with throughout this game, this was a game where they probably would have dropped it pretty handily last year. This was I think a lot of people kind of noticed that this was a game that the Magic probably don't even come close to winning last year. This is a game where the Magic... Um, uh, really would would have struggled if, if they were playing it last year so a different Magic team for sure this time around but having said all of that it was still a loss in the end give Jonathan Simmons all the credit in the world he played with a ton of energy and scoring a career high 27 points on 9 for 15 shooting he really pushed the tempo forced the issue for the Magic got them to play with some urgency on both ends of the floor that's exactly what the Magic brought him in to do Evan Fournier had a solid game, 23 points, 8-for-15 shooting, 5-for-5 five five from the foul line, 5 assists, just a rock for the Magic offensively. He was someone that they could always count on uh, to, to make a decent play or, or get a good shot. Um, gotta like the way Evans played to start this season. Uh, while the Magic looked like they were forcing the ball into Vucevic or forcing the ball to Ross, or Aaron Gordon was kind of trying to force his offense a little bit too much, Evan Fournier really let the game come to him and and did a good job attacking the basket even when the Magic were not hitting their jumpers. Overall, this was a magic game where uh, there was a lot left to be desired. Uh, it was definitely, I would argue, probably the worst game the magic had played in this early season. It was a game that they clearly, I think, could have had a chance to win, but their their just intensity was not there. Their focus was not at the level that it was at. It kind of, you know, it. I'm not sure the magic would agree with this, and I'm sure the magic wouldn't use this as an excuse, but. It felt like a game where the Magic kind of bought their own hype a little bit, and and that's not who this team is. This team's going to have to fight and claw for everything that they get, and so this was kind of a come back to earth moment. The Magic's offense did not work as effectively as it has throughout the season so far, uh, and their defense kind of paid the price for it. And so now they've got to ref- they've got to learn that lesson and refocus as they head into Monday's game against the New Orleans Pelicans. As I said, this is kind of a final test episode on the Audio Boom podcast channel. Remember, we are moving over to the Panoply network. You can find that on panoply.fm. Locked on Magic should be there pretty shortly. Our whole archive is there. You can fo- I'll be posting the Panoply link on orlandomagicdaily.com. magicdaily.com. You can find it actually in the Magic Wands uh podcast at po- uh, on the Magic Wands um uh what's it called? Uh uh post I'll do that again for the for the magic wands on Monday. I'll probably also post the first official episode on Panoply uh, as a full post on Monday as well as we preview the New Orleans Pelicans game and do our Facebook live episode as well. So if you're getting this if you're getting this podcast off of Audio Boom or you're listening to this podcast. Um otherwise this is the last podcast you may get on this feed. So be sure to find us on Panoply.fm uh, for Tuesday, if you get the full episode with the Facebook Live as well as the preview with the, with the Bird Rights podcast, then you don't need to do anything. Then you're all set and good to go. If, this, if you get this episode and do not get another episode on Monday, then you need to find Ma- Locked On Magic once again. If you have trouble finding Locked On Magic, send me an email at omagicdaily at gmail.com or DM me or message me at Locked On Magic. I'm happy to provide you with the RSS feed. I'll make an announcement as well on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. That's going to do it for this episode or this mini episode of Locked On Magic. Again, the Orlando Magic fall to the Charlotte Hornets, one twenty to one thirteen at the Spectrum Center. They're back in action on Monday at eight o'clock against the New Orleans Pelicans. Until then, until the next episode, this has been Philip Rossman, of Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. I'll see you next time on Locked On
3: Magic.
4: what's up hell's fans welcome to another episode of the bird calls podcast my name is preston Els, and we are previewing our monday night home matchup with the orlando magic now to talk magic and what to expect we've brought on the editor of orlando magic daily and host to locked on magic our podcast buddy philip rossman reich what's up philip not too much uh
2: you know the the magic took took one on the chin a little bit here on, on a sunday evening but uh they're heading on to New Orleans and, and hopefully they'll be ready for a, what I think will be a really, really interesting
4: matchup. I got to say, we're thrilled to hear that you guys lost tonight, especially <laughs> on the first night of your back-to-back and with us as always is our editor in chief, Ali Kosell. Thanks for being with us,
0: Ali. Hey Preston. Thanks for having me, man. How was your weekend?
4: Oh, it was so good, man. I just finished a nice nice date. We went to Disney Springs. We had a lovely dinner at this nice new pizza place called Blaze, but I'm sure Philip doesn't want to hear about any of that. Again, you guys can <laughs> hey, follow. I'm,
2: I'm all I am all about Disney Springs, man. That 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 place that place was where I went when I was growing up, playing at the Disney Quest, the Virgin Megastore, going to the AMC for my movies. I'm all about the Disney Springs, man.
4: You know, Phil, we're going to have to go on a date someday because we've got have Jason to. Albert from the Bird Rights is in Tampa. And then we've also got Leo BS, who is uh, I think the Lakers SB Nation uh, affiliate editor-in-chief. All the four of us should like get some kind of crew together and go to uh, Amway Center. And we could be like the nerd patrol. Everybody would just <laughs> gawk as us as we walk through the front doors. Before I turn this over to Philip, you guys can follow him at PhilRSquared. And you can follow his site at OMagicDaily oh and his pod at LockedOnMagic. Take it away, Philip.
2: Yeah, uh, so I guess we're gonna start uh, by recapping what the Magic did tonight. Of course, you can find me on find me at all those places. Preston said, if if you're new to the Locked On Magic show, with uh, the Orlando Magic have gotten off to this incredible start. they they were four and one, best record in the Eastern Conference. Everyone is surprised by how this Magic team is doing, uh, and and somewhat waiting for the other shoe to drop. And and the other shoe kind of dropped on Sunday night when the Magic took on the Charlotte Hornets, a one twenty to one thirteen victory. For the Hornets. Uh, this was a game where the Magic really struggled on both ends to find their rhythm. They they really looked kind of lef- kind of lethargic and and, and a step slow. Uh, for most of the night, their shots didn't fall really for the first time all year, uh, which is pretty shocking to them. Uh, but overall the magic really just kind of struggled. Kemble Walker went crazy. He had uh let me pull up my stat sheet here. Uh Kemble Walker had a lot of points, uh thirty-four, 34 points to be happened. exact. 10 assists as well as 15 for 25 shooting. He just dominated the magic in the pick and roll. They had no answer for him. They couldn't keep him out of the paint yet. Orlando found themselves only down by three early in the fourth quarter. They uh, kept themselves in the game and, and, you know, had a, had a puncher's chance of getting back in. They just couldn't muster up the offensive firepower to get back in. And so the magic fall to four and two, take their second loss of the season in Charlotte, as they head on to new Orleans now for Monday's game.
4: Uh, thanks for that insight, Philip. Uh, really nice uh, analysis of what happened last night. We can read the box score, but good to know that. Uh, good to know they're starting to feel tired after that nice four and one uh, stretch to start the season. They're they're slowing down just at the right time, Ali, because the Pels <laughs> just capped off a very exciting victory for Pels fans with a 123-101 victory over LeBron, Sands, IT, and Derek Rose, of course. But for the first time in franchise history, the Pelicans had three players with 29 points, a fourth, and Etouan Moore with 24. And Boogie collected his first triple double as a Pelican. Talk a bit about the game and how the Pelicans were able to pull it off after a furious comeback uh, attempt by the Cavaliers late in the third.
0: Sure. As Philip has seen, the Cavaliers are not so good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it almost is funny, honestly. LeBron James, proven winner, um, with with a, a roster full of veterans, and the guys have started three and four. Uh, they lost again tonight to the Knicks. So, not looking good for them. Um, they, As I mentioned, they've lost to the Magic. And then, as you mentioned, Preston, they lost to the Pelicans in a great game on Saturday night. As as we all know, DeMarcus Cousins Anthony Davis are always going to lead the Pelicans in attack, and they shine. Um, There's not much else to add other than these guys seem to somehow outdo their previous games. As you mentioned, a a triple double for DeMarcus and 80 coming off an injury. He had an incredible 30 points, but it was really that stretch in the fourth quarter where he scored 12 consecutive points to put the game out of reach because the Cavaliers actually did close the gap and at one point late in the third led uh, momentarily. And that, you know, that was not a good moment considering the Pelicans had overwhelmed the Cavaliers from the start until halftime. Um, they simply operate and uh, execute their offense throughout the game. The defense was on point outside of a few breakdowns, but then in that third, it fell apart. Kevin Love started hitting threes, and like I said, they made their run. But then Anthony Davis happened. He had a couple threes, a mammoth dunk, got to the line, and boom, before you knew it, the Pelicans were up 15 again. So it was a great win for the Pelicans, but the main reason I think they won In addition to the great scoring performances, the efficiency by the starters was the fact, as I mentioned, they just play with more passion defensively when they weren't breaking down, missing plays, missing rotations, you name it. They were um, giving giving the Cavaliers a solid, you know, a challenge. Um, LeBron James, as Phillip and you guys know, he loves to find mismatches. He was trying to run Dante Cunningham off pick and rolls. And when he did successfully shake him, he would wind up with Drew Holiday or H1 Moore. But guess what? He was not able to score on them. He was trying to back those guys, but since they're bulky, they're bulky for guards, although they're only about six foot four each, that they, they can hold their own down the post, even against the you know, a behemoth like LeBron down there. So the Pelicans were able to stymie completely whatever Cleveland tried to do. And when Kevin Love had to briefly exit the game after he tweaked the knee. Pelicans went on that run. There you go. Ball game.
4: Nice work, Ollie. Now, once again, you guys are listening to The Bird Rights and Locked On Magic. And we are talking to Philip Rossman Reich of Locked On Magic here on Nothing But Net Radio on the Dash, as well as ollie cosell the editor-in-chief of the Uh, I'm gonna swing this over to you, Philip. Uh, this year, uh, the offseason was a stark contrast from last year. Last year you guys spent a lot of money. And uh this year it was a bit quieter. You guys just brought in really Jonathan Isaac, Shelvin Mack, and uh Jonathan Simmons. Uh, but you came out, like you said, to a 4-1 and one record, including decisive victories over the Cavaliers, as we just spoke about, and the Spurs. Talk a bit about early indications this season of what your expectations are going forward this year now with the Magic and how they contrast what they were over the summer.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it's obvious it obviously wasn't a busy summer. And for a team that won only 29 games last year, that did not bode well for what the season was going to be. And really heading into the season uh, with the Magic getting new management and Jeff Weltman and John Hammond uh, replacing Rob Hennigan, uh, it it really felt like the Magic were going to kind of just wait and see things. They were going to kind of, the, the new management, and they even said this, we're going to take a very patient approach, just kind of look at the roster and what they had and really evaluate them. They didn't want to rush into making any mo- any dra- drastic moves because that's exactly what the old regime did the previous year and kind of stuck them in a little bit of salary cap hell where they couldn't do very much even, even with what they had. So it was very much a, okay, let's see what, the ma- what we had. And the Magic, I think, were not 100% certain what they had, but fairly certain what they had after going through the last five years and going through much of last year, but there was a bit of hope. And that came at the end of the season. After the surge of Baca trade, Orlando started playing at a much faster pace. They, they pushed the tempo a lot more. They started kind of spreading the floor a little bit more. And they kind of decided at the end of last season that this is the way we need to play. This is the way the league is going now. And we have these athletes and, and have some, some okay shooters that we need to adopt this style. And so they had this idea heading into the summer they kept the same coach for the first time in three years, which I think everyone takes for granted until you don't have it, uh, and kept a lot of the same roster together. And so uh, even Frank Vogel said after Friday's win against the Spurs the, the the continuity bump that that he expected from this team has been even greater than he anticipated. Uh, I think we expected the Magic to, to kind of hover around 500 and kind of find their way but look better. We didn't expect them to look this good. And, and, and as, I've, as, I've, as I said on a Facebook Live that I did earlier Sunday, the way that the Magic have played these first five games, five, six games of the season, to me, it takes whatever your expectations were and just maybe moves them up a notch. Yeah, I was one who thought that the Magic were a better team probably in the mid-30s as far as their win total and would probably be in the playoff race into the last weeks of the season but ultimately fall
4: short. Now, now just-
2: I'm... Huh?
4: Sorry, go, go ahead. Yeah. I was just uh, you're yeah, continuing with what I was going to say. Sorry. Go
2: ahead. Sorry, and and so now I move them a notch up where I think, yes, this team's expectation should be to make the playoffs. They have played well enough to show me and done things well enough to show me that they have playoff team potential, especially in these in this Eastern Conference. And you know, I I, I think there are some fans that were like, oh, we're definitely a playoff team, they're thinking we should. Hey, we're definitely a playoff team now, but we should be going for a little bit more. I'm I'm not there yet. There's still a long, long way to go in the season, but um, I think that the the way the Magic have played to start this year has been extremely encouraging to that effect.
4: Ali, now the Pelicans are in a bit of a different suit in that uh, while the Magic fans may be pleasantly surprised... The Pelicans need to win this year for all the obvious reasons that everybody's heard about all offseason long with Anthony Davis, Demarcus Cousins, these one year rentals like Rajon Rondo, this big ticket money contract on Drew Holiday needing to pan out. Uh, but as you said earlier with Trevor, uh, just a few days ago against the Kings, many fans uh, were panicking, including myself. Uh, some fans were even jumping ship, calling for Demps and Gentry's heads. I, I think I even probably uh, midway through that second quarter lost my mind. But here we are, four days later. At three and three, welcoming a team who uh just suffered defeat in Charlotte on the second night of a back-to-back in New Orleans. How have the Pelicans managed to turn things around from their disastrous one and three start to, to where we are now, three and three, with a favorable home game tomorrow night? And then we've got the, the Pelicans, the Wolves, the Pacers, uh just just a nice favorable schedule approaching. How did we get here,
0: Ollie? Well, I've been saying this since the start of the preseason. The Pelicans were going to get off to a tough start, one and three. Sure enough, they started one and three, and you had to look at the opponents um, Memphis Grizzlies on their home turf, an experienced team, and then followed by the Warriors, and then Portland in their place. You know, the Trailblazers are so tough to beat up there in the Northwest. So, this one and three start, um, I kind of foresaw that. And as you know, I've mentioned that in several pods. Therefore, it's hard for me to say they've turned things around. I have noticed improvement, but I don't think they've necessarily, like, turned some great corner or discovered something. I just think they're honestly playing a little bit better and, in turn, also playing against weaker competition. And that, there you go. That's why we've won three of the last four. Um, all you have to do is look at the Pelicans were in all every game. They have never been blown out. They could have won almost every game, to be honest with you, Preston. I mean, they had their chances against the Grizzlies before – Losing the lead late, they were up on the Golden State Warriors before they made that great comeback and uh, caught the Pelicans at the end. And against the Blazers, losing Anthony Davis, had we not lost them or lost him, excuse me, to that left knee injury, I think the Pelicans would have won because wow, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard were so off their game. I think they had only made like four shots in the first three quarters. So all those games were for the taking. So it's not as though the Pelicans were playing bad, you know. And this is a simple misconception when you just solely look at stats or records and you say, oh, wow, they've won three or four, they're playing better. No, I don't think that's been the case at all. It's simply these guys um, have kind of come together. The addition of Jameer Nelson has really helped. We all noticed that in preseason once Rajon Rondo left. Um, Suddenly the team was having problems getting the offense, and Drew Holiday was not able to uh, fulfill, you know, kind of that ball handling decision-making role of a point guard. Um, and that's something that team honestly tried to avoid coming into this season. That's why they signed Rajon Rondo. So it wasn't a surprise to see Holiday and the rest of the team struggle as soon as Rondo went out. Um, but Jameer Nelson, wow, his addition was timely. I honestly believe had the Pelicans and Dell Demps not added him when they did, the Pelicans conceivably could have started the season 0-5. They could have lost to that Lakers game because um, the Lakers made a hell of a comeback, and if it hadn't been for Nelson late, hitting a big bucket, making a few timely passes, very much could have been a loss. And same thing against the Kings. The Kings started off like firecrackers. I mean, they were making everything They're a step or two quicker than the Pelicans, but Nelson came in the game um, and really calmed the whole, you know, demeanor of the team down to where they, you know, kind of found their footing, so to speak, and started mounting a comeback, which ended up winning going away. So, I don't know, Preston. It, 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 it's, it's funny how these narratives get started by simply somebody saying something or looking at a simple stat. So, for me, the Pelicans have kind of been the same team all season where they've had their moments on offense, but, you know, it hasn't clicked entirely yet until that Cleveland Cavaliers game where, wow, for three quarters, the Pelicans were outstanding. They only just had that hiccup in the third quarter, and the defense has had – you know, it is share suspect moments as well. But it's slowly coming back, you know, coming together. Um and they are trending positively. That's where Phillips team, you know, just suffered that road bump tonight against the Charlotte Hornets. Um and I honestly believe they may have been playing a little bit over the heads. I was looking at some of the stats because I've only caught like a game and a half of theirs. Um and Phillips, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I noticed that they're shooting I think they have the second highest three point percentage so far in the league. Um, I don't know how much you can expect, like most of their regular rotation to be shooting over 40 percent from the three point line. But again, you know, maybe they can. But, you know, I'm going to say they probably can't. It's hard to see a team take that big of a step forward. But, you know, we'll see. Anything can happen any given game.
4: Uh, Before I get over to Philip, I'm just going to ask Ali a quick uh, follow up question because to be truthful, you are cool as a cucumber right now and rightfully so. We're three and three and we're, you know, at a good spot. Philip, this was supposed to be the toughest uh, part of our first month was these first six games and ollie were while you were 100 percent correct in your assessment that we were going to start one and three with tough matchups against the grizzlies the warriors and the trailblazers uh like you said without jameer nelson and those two uh miracle uh not comebacks but salvage salvaging disaster against the lakers and then the comeback against the kings the pelicans could have been sitting uh 0 and, 0 and five heading into this cavaliers uh contest so at that point would you then, uh, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say, would you then justify the panic that many Pelicans fans were feeling had Jameer Nelson not come, come in and save the day? I mean, he essentially came out of nowhere. Not only is he not the type of player that the Pelicans usually add, he's not typically the type of player that Pelicans add this early in the season. Usually we start assembling all these 10-day contracts later in the year. Um, how... I guess I guess continue on how vital Jameer Nelson has been to this, and where the Pelicans would have been had he not come to town.
0: Yeah, it's a great question, Preston. Because the Pelicans put a lot of their eggs in honestly Rajon Rondo's basket. We saw last year decision making Rondo's for some reason wasn't able to you know function next to Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins together on the floor, and uh, it kind of continued on in this preseason, especially after Rondo went down. So. Honestly, that that was the only move the Pelicans could have made. I know they didn't want, from what I heard, they didn't want to let Jordan Crawford go. And I know he was one of your favorites among many other people in the fan base. But <laughs> they, somebody had to be a casualty and his was the only unguaranteed contract. So made sense. There were some point guards available. And for some reason, I don't know why nobody had Jameer Nelson. Um, I still don't understand why the Nuggets let him go in place of Richard Jefferson. Now it's funny, the Nuggets are struggling out of the gates. And the Pelicans are on the upswing, and we've got their former assistant coach. So everybody's like, "What happened?" Everybody flip-flop positions to start of the season. But no, to get to your question, Jameer Nelson was absolutely vital. He—they they had to add him. They had to just take some pressure off Drew. And 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 honestly, when it wasn't on Drew, Demarcus Cousins was trying to initiate the offense, or as Anthony Davis. And what did we see? A lot of turnovers, especially. As the games got deeper, uh, going in the third, late third, early fourth fours, those, those turnovers started mounting. All of a sudden, opposing teams were double, triple teaming the guys. Mainly because, yes, those were the only two guys that were able to do anything consistently. Because I don't know if you noticed, Philip, if you've watched any of the Pelicans games, but our role players started the season terribly. Nobody outside of our big two could hit anything. Uh, Dante Cunningham's still in deep freeze somewhere um in clark he's he's shown some signs each one more only recently has really bounced back in the last two games and same thing with drew holiday he started off terribly uh he was shooting air balls uh even from just the elbow so the whole team really struggled to get out of the gate and it's simply because i think the roles changed. nobody knew exactly what should, how much they should be contributing or you know there's just no floor general, Preston. You just need, every team needs a floor general, especially one like the Pelicans that has so many offensive weapons who like particular spots on the floor, yet nobody really honestly out there to get them the ball. So that's the easiest answer. Drew, Jameer Nelson fit that cog seamlessly.
4: What a great transition, Ali. Uh, You are listening to the Bird Rights and Locked on Magic, and we are talking to Philip Rossman-Reich of Locked on Magic and Orlando Magic Daily, as well as Ali Cosell of thebirdrights.com here on Nothing But Net Radio on the Dash. Philip, this is a nice transition because you guys are without your floor general in Alfred Payton. Talk a bit about... Frank Vogel's performance, you mentioned consistency and having uh, a less turnover this year than in your previous year and that kind of binding your guys together. But uh, coming into this uh, season, you had a hamstring injury to Alfred Payton and you've kind of had this mishmash point guard situation between DJ Augustin and, uh, sorry, the other Evan Fournier. Talk a bit about that and who is really running your offense at this moment.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it definitely was a, 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 I thought it would be a huge hit. Because especially last year, DJ Augustin was just not very good. Uh, You know, a a guy who's a New Orleans native, actually, um, he really struggled for the Magic last year in the first year of a four-year deal. And I was a little skeptical that he could run the team at the pace that the Magic like to run. Like, they're trying to get out even on made baskets and really kind of force the team into into playing kind of secondary transition. I mean, literally, I think several players said during the preseason, uh, if we don't run a play the entire game, that means we're doing a good job. I mean, they want to kind of just flow into their basic offensive sets and find a way to beat you by finding mismatches and and beating you in transition. And Alfred Payton is really best suited for that. That's where he really thrived toward the end of se- the season last year. And there were, everyone was expecting big things from Payton this year. And so to see him go down so early in the season – it left a lot of big question marks, but Augustin has surprisingly fit right in. Uh, he he's a much better shooter than Peyton, and he's definitely running the offense. Essentially, I mean he he's he's definitely uh, the lead guy, not the lead guy, but the 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 primary ball handler for the Magic, and has done a really good job distributing and getting Orlando into their sets. So he's been a, a pleasant surprise this year, kind of back to what you would expect from him if you look at his look at his career. Uh, throughout his career, the way he's played. Uh, this is this is about what he's done or, and what he's capable of. Now, Augustin is still a bit of a weak spot defensively, uh, and, and the Magic have been able to get away with that. Uh, you, you said that you know, you're know you kind of waiting for the Magic to kind of come down from this high. I absolutely am too. I don't think a lot of their offensive stats are going to last. Um, I think what we saw Sunday against Charlotte with Kimball Walker, who's probably the best point guard the Magic have played all year, uh, that's more indicative of the problems with having D.J. Augustin as your starting point guard. I mean, I, 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 I've i I've told people who've said, oh, you know, the Magic are playing so well, Augustin should start over Peyton when Peyton gets back. I don't think that's the case. I, I think that the Magic have worked really hard and done a really good job kind of hiding Augustin a little bit. It wouldn't surprise me if they put Evan Fournier or Terrence Ross on Drew Holiday and, and try and keep Augustin away from a primary driver and attacker like that. Um, As far as Vogel, uh, uh, people were kind of down on Vogel after the way the team played last year. They said, oh, you know, Vogel's ways don't really work anymore. And and I think he really had to kind of change his mindset a little bit. And and it's not that he was against running, but he never really coached a team that had this kind of pace behind them before. And so coming into the season... He really had to, you know, he's really having to prove that he can coach a, a, a high-level offense in a way that he never did in Indiana, while still providing the defense. And they're switching a lot more on defense. And I think they're looking more and more like a Frank Vogel team. And a lot of that is the guys know what what Vogel expects of them. Vogel knows what he can get out of his out of his returning players at least, and, and the Magic are, are definitely responding really well to that.
4: Now, Ali, uh, let's transition over to defense and how the Pelicans uh, plan to handle the Orlando Magic. The Pelicans do have experience with these teams who sort of uh, disperse the ball pretty evenly amongst each other with the Kings and the Lakers. The Magic very similarly have Evan Fournier, uh, Nikola Vucevic, I hope I said that right, and Aaron Gordon each at 20 points a game. And then Jonathan Simmons right behind them at 16 points a game. And uh, the Pelicans were a top 10 defense last year. You mentioned earlier on the podcast with Trevor that now they're a top five offense through five games. How do you expect the Pelicans to match up with this uh, wide variety of scoring? And who do you expect uh, to take advantage of the Pelicans defense?
0: I really like the matchups. That is one major reason why, regardless of whether the uh, Magic would have beaten the Hornets tonight, I would have still really liked the Pelicans' uh, chances, despite it being, you know, on the second night of a back-to-back, is because of those matchups. Three, the three top players for the Magic, the three 20-point scorers is what I'm looking at. Nikola Vucevic is going to have to deal with DeMarcus Cousins. Aaron Gordon, who is an amazing athlete, guess who he gets? Anthony Davis. And Evan Fournier most likely is going to see both Drew Holiday and Etchwan Moore, and maybe even a little Tony Allen. So I can't imagine all three of those guys, you know, coming close to hitting their averages. At least one guy's going to suffer a major drop-off, I'm foreseeing. And I wouldn't be surprised if two of them missed the mark. So right there, that's going to you know reduce the 60-odd some points that Magic have been relying on on a nightly basis down to maybe in that 40 range. And so I don't know how strong the uh, Magic's bench is. I know I love Jonathan Simmons, um, and Isaac shows a lot of potential. But from what I've been hearing and what I just noticed in a few minutes, Terrence Ross has not gotten off to a good start. And I really don't know of anybody else that can, you know, come off that bench and provide 20 points. With D.J. Augustine starting, yeah, I I agree fully with Peyton. Or excuse me, with Phillip, that Alfred Peyton is is, going to be missed, um, both defensively and for the offense. He's always done well, Phillip, against the Pelicans for some reason. Um, He's going home. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: He loves he loves coming home. I'm I'm actually a little upset for Alfred that he's not going to be able to play in, in his hometown.
0: That's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. There's you know, we've got a couple of guys on our staff that really love him. They've been creating trade scenarios for the last two years trying to pry him away. Um is, that, is real quick, I know this is outside of what we're talking about, but how have the magic um have have they changed your tune about Alfred Payton? Do they really see him as a part of the future core now? Uh
2: you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, from what I understand, the old management really loved him and were and really bought into him and really believed in him. And, and I think new management is very much taking a wait-and-see approach. Uh, they, uh, a lot of the talk when it came to rookie extensions centered around Aaron Gordon and whether the Magic would get a deal done for Aaron Gordon. I think everyone among Magic fans agreed that Payton had been too inconsistent over the course of his three seasons, largely as the starter. To fork over guaranteed money and, and wrap him up now, um, they felt that I think a lot of Magic fans feel that it's probably best to let the season play out, see what Payton is, you know, kind of with the stability that that he's lacked for the, the stability with the front office and the coaching staff that he's lacked throughout his career, and then see what the market gives him. Uh, so, I, I to sitting here today, I cannot answer with any definitiveness what the Magic will do with Alfred Payton. Honestly, if there's a lot of Pelicans fans that, that like Peyton or a lot of Pelicans people that, that, that think Peyton, you know, can be, you know, uh, a younger version of Ray John Rondo and bring him into the fold. Um, call us in February. Uh, it would not surprise me if you hear Peyton's name in trade rumors, e- even if the Magic are in the playoff hunt.
0: hmm
4: mm-hmm. Okay. Ali, why don't you continue? Are, do you have any interest in Alfred Peyton with the, now the the large uh, number of point guards the Pelicans seem to be acquiring?
0: <laughs> yeah, really. No, honestly, I don't. Um, I think they found – they actually, I don't think it found is the right answer. They stumbled into something that's really worked. Um, it, it's only been six games, so we can't say anything with a definitive answer. But, again, I, I always thought it was going to be easy this season. Why, Preston, you know, because I hammered this point over and over. Pelicans have two all-NBA talents, two top 15 players. So it was never going to be hard to make this product work, I felt, on the floor. Um, all it took was just a few right pieces, and we've seen that in the last few games where you just get a couple of guys knocking down the outside shot, somebody facilitating, and boom! All of a sudden, the Pelicans are putting up 110, 120 points and uh walking away with the victory. So I think this is just going to be a trend as to where you know I think the biggest need, Preston, and I think pretty much all of us agree, is at small forward. Um, can't rely on Solomon Hill to come back, Dante Cunningham. Huge question mark to start the season. Darius Miller, wow, he's looking maybe like the biggest mistake of the offseason so far. Um, hopefully he can turn it around. I know it's going to take time adjusting back, coming back from Europe to get back into the NBA. But, again, you've got to at least have some kind of different aggressiveness, some kind of different mentality. And he looks exactly the same player that we saw two, two and a half years ago leave New Orleans. So that's where I expect the Pelicans to maybe you know, try and sh- uh, shape up the roster. But definitely not a point guard. They've, they've. How many times have we heard of the players press, especially during media, media day, talk about Rajon Rondo? Um, infinitely. And you know, last night, I don't know if you caught the news, but the Pelicans after their win against the Cavaliers, what they do? They ended up going to the gym, and Rajon Rondo was there. He was on Instagram, recording some of the scenes and the action. So he's a big part of this team, and with Jameer Nelson fitting in seamlessly, no, there's no way I can see the Pelicans chasing the point guard.
4: As big a question mark as I think the three is for the Pelicans, and it definitely is a very large one, if I was the Orlando Magic, the number one thing I would do is attack DeMarcus Cousins to the tune of trying to get him off the floor because he is a guy in 25 games last year who averaged 4.8 fouls a game, limiting him to 30 minutes per game. And this season, uh, you wouldn't think it, but he's right at 4.6 per game still. So uh, you guys have a bevy of big men in Biambo, Vucevic, and Gordon, and I would think the latter of those two probably could draw some fouls against uh, Boogie. Uh, talk a little bit about that, Philip, and then talk a bit about how you expect Biambo, Vucevic, and Gordon to fare against Anthony Davis and Boogie.
2: Yeah, I think this, this center, this big matchup is is really the key to the whole game, and it's going to be really interesting to watch how the Magic handled them. Um, I, I thought entering the, I mean, the Magic are obviously kind of playing a downsized version of themselves right now, and 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 they're trying to use their athleticism to counteract any teams with size. And against the Spurs, they did a really good job overloading the strong side with Lamarcus Aldridge. They always had a double on him, uh, but and they weren't particularly worried with Paul Gasol. Um, you'll see the Magic switch a lot. Uh, that's that's the big thing. It wouldn't surprise me to see you know plenty of times where they run a pick and roll, and Cousins ends up being defended by Fournier in the post, and they bring Aaron Gordon in to kind of shadow him and 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 cover the cover, the backside and the weak side. And uh, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how the magic handled this, especially with a guy like Anthony Davis out there, who is a much better player than Pal Gasol is at this point on, um, on the other end, you know, the magic are good at getting to the line uh, that they've been better at getting to the line this year than they have been in the last five. Um, they, they took 26 free throw attempts in their loss of the Hornets on on Sunday, and that's pretty regular for them to to be up above 20 free throw attempts per game, which wasn't the case for the last several years. But Nikola Vucevic is not the one to draw fouls. He's just not a guy that gets to the foul line. In fact, with him taking more three-pointers, he is more likely to kind of be hovering around the three-point line trying to space the floor and get one of those bigs out of the paint so that the Magic can get driving lanes. That's that's what the Magic tried to do against Charlotte, and Vucevic just missed all his three-pointers because even with Dwight Howard unwilling to go out and guard him at the three-point line, Vucevic just couldn't hit his threes. He just had a really bad shooting night from beyond the arc. So it's going to be interesting to see whether the Magic try and reestablish Vucevic in the post-sum. I know that's something he wants to do, or whether they just keep him on the perimeter and try and use him as a floor spacer and to get one of Davis or Cousins out of the paint. Um, That's going to be really interesting, but I I don't see this as a situation where they'll get a lot of fouls on Cousins unless they catch him in transition and attack him on the break. Um, I, I think that that's probably where the Magic we will try to get players in foul trouble and put pressure on defenses. It's not so much from post-ups because Vucevic, even even if he were in the post, is not good at drawing fouls to begin with. So it's it's definitely going to be... I don't think there should be a lot of concern over Cousins getting fouls unless the Magic are able to get downhill and beat those perimeter players into the paint.
4: Uh, Last question, and then we'll get to predictions. You are listening to The Bird Writes and Locked On Magic, and we are talking to Philip Rossman-Reich of Locked On Magic as well as Ali Cosell here on Nothing But Net Radio on the Dash. Uh, We've discussed Terrence Ross and Sheldon Mack to a small extent, but there are two other players for you guys who are a bit intriguing, who are averaging over 15 minutes a game, and I just want to make sure I get your take on them before we go. Uh, Of course, Mario Hazonia, the former top five pick, and also Jonathan Isaac, if you could tell us what to expect from these two young players.
2: Yeah, it's going it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh Jonathan Isaac actually missed Sunday's game. He was sick. Uh and so he didn't he didn't play uh, uh Sunday, but if uh, I imagine it's something that if he's feeling well, he's good he'll be good to go Monday night and he is he is a really interesting player. Uh he's still not going to give you a lot on the offensive end. His offense is still well behind well behind. Uh but defensively for a kid who's 20 years old, spent only one year in college, he is really uh, a v- above average defensive player, all things considered um, his length is, is noticeable. I mean, when you watch him play, the first thing you will notice is he takes up a lot of space without having to move very far uh, just because his arms are so long and he knows how to use it pretty well too. Um, he definitely has his rookie moments where he looks a step slower or his thought process isn't fast enough to catch what an NBA player is doing, but he'll recover really well too. And, and he, you know, he, he, he'll he make an impact defensively. I think a, a lot of Magic fans commented, I don't know if I necessarily agree 100% with this, but the Magic definitely missed Jonathan Isaac a bit in Sunday's game. Uh, I think that they would have fared a little bit better defending at the rim, and it wouldn't surprise me if, you, if, if Vogel tells the rookie, go out and guard Anthony Davis for the next two minutes and see what you can do with him. He's still really thin. He can still get muscled around a little bit, but Isaac is very game for those big assignments. He's already defended LeBron James for stretches. Uh, and and he's just a really intriguing prospect. Uh, it should be interesting to see how he continues to develop. And it's going to be game by game, obviously. As for Mario Azonia, he's been playing the backup power forward minutes. And so I think his minutes are largely kind of matchup dependent. I don't think the Magic like playing him when teams go big. They prefer to maybe bring in a Maurice Spates or, or you know, maybe we'll see a Ken Birch if, if it comes to that. Um, but his uh, has. Been better. Uh, he had a really down year last year. He couldn't hit a shot to save his life last year. This year he's making shots. He's shown some growth on the defensive end. He's making smarter plays. He's not forcing things. And, you know, I, I I've kind of said this on my show a, a bunch of times when talking about Mario. The goal for him right now is not to be fifth overall pick Mario Azonia. I think we can all kind of say fifth overall pick Mario azonia is probably not going to happen. You know, we see we're, we're seeing more flashes of that talent, but it's it's getting late. It's getting late in the cl- late, late on the clock for him to, to reach that, reach that pinnacle. Um instead, what we need to see is useful NBA player Mario Zonia. And if he's making shots and he's not being a negative on the defensive end, he becomes a rotation player all of a sudden. And then those flashes become nice additions to his game and maybe remind you a little bit of what his talent could be, but uh, are good contributions to to a team. He just right now he just needs to find and fit a role and so far, I think he's done that. He's, he's definitely looked like he's made the improvements that he needs to make. He looks healthier than he did all of last year, and, and that's a good sign for the Magic.
4: All right, Ollie, age before beauty. Why don't you tell us what's going to happen tomorrow night, Monday night, 7 p.m. in the Smoothie King
0: Center? Ouch. <laughs> beauty. Thank you, buddy. I'm helping you out on a Sunday night. Thank you. No. <laughs> Well, I'm, so I'm going to pick there. up what I told Trevor earlier today, and that's I think the Pelicans will pull out the victory. I've got them, you know, about a 75% chance of walking away with the win um, and seeing the the fact that the Hornets kind of, you know, surprised the Magic. I really thought the Magic was going to win that game, but I didn't really, you know, honestly, I didn't catch a minute of the game, so I didn't realize how big of a deal not having Isaac and Peyton had or were not there, so they had a big impact on the final outcome. So, I think the Pelicans will probably win a pretty high scoring affair. I'm gonna say about one eighteen to one oh seven.
4: All right, Philip, take it for us. Yeah, I, I think
2: the Pelicans are probably gonna end up winners here. I, I think that the, the they're just this unique team that has the size and athleticism to really to really kind of gum up the Magics offense a little bit. Uh, you know, I I don't think Orlando ha you know, necessarily has the ability to to create, and and I think even defensively, I think that the Magic are at a little bit of a disadvantage defensively going up against Cousins and Davis, and, and I think that they won't have the same the same success that they had against the Spurs. I will say this: the last time the Magic lost, they lost in Brooklyn in a very similar kind of poor defensive effort, high scoring game that they lost on Sunday, and they went to Cleveland the very next night and won by you know they led by 36 37 at one point in that game and won by 20 plus points. So I wouldn't put the past the magic to 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 go nova again and be upset and be angry with how they played Sunday and and refocus. So I think the magic will play better. But ultimately I think Char- I think that New Orleans is is going to come out with the victory. It'll probably be something like you know 118-113 uh, you know I think I think it'll be up in the 110s. I think both teams will get get their points. Uh, and I think that the Pelicans will probably have just enough to win the game.
4: And New Orleans hasn't been over 500 in over two years, so it's probably pretty dangerous that we're feeling so confident at this moment. Hey, uh, the
2: Magic, the Magic haven't been haven't been over 500 in two or three years either. And and you know we're we don't know what to do with our hands right now. So so we're 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 all figuring this out together.
4: That's probably why we get along so famous. Famously, we just have so much in common. Uh, thank you guys so much. Again, you've been listening to the bird rights and locked on magic. This is Philip Rossman, Reich Who has given us the benefit of his time as well as Ali Cosell. Thank you to both these gentlemen. You can follow Philip at Phil R squared, follow his site at Oh magic daily and locked on magic. Let's go to Ali real quick. You can follow him of course, at Ali Cosell. Ali uh, got anything coming up on the birdrights.com for us.
0: Yeah, I'm working on a piece where I want to focus on the Pelicans' offense because all last week, what did we read? Nothing but garbage, more of the same narrative. The Pelicans have nobody but Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, which at least I guess was a step in the right direction. At first they were saying that those two guys couldn't even play together. Wow, were they ever wrong? But anyways, I just want to talk about how the the roster is actually a lot more compatible. And this is something that I've been saying since preseason where I thought that And I even put an article out there where I thought they they would have enough shooting from the outside. So it's just going to be a continuation of that, kind of an argument against a couple of pieces. One was by The Ringer, and um, the other one, I think, was by Sports Illustrated or something like that. That's where, you know, they just had that common theme. Eventually, the Pelicans are going to fade. Eventually, DeMarcus Cousins needs to find a team where he can make the playoffs and, you know, basically just blow it up. Let's just blow up the Pelicans, not even give them a chance. So I just want to kind of write something in, uh, you know, against that stance because it's gotten old and now it's not even relevant anymore.
4: Thank you so much, Ali, for always bringing credibility to this podcast. Uh, great editor in chief to have. And uh, Philip, uh, my name is Preston Ellis, by the way, uh, let's go <laughs> Hells. Philip, you're the guest of honor, man. Take us out. Uh, thanks everyone
2: for listening to the bird rights podcast, as well as this episode of locked on magic. Let's, let's do it again
4: sometime. It sounds good man. Not only that, we need uh Absolutely. we need to Yeah, and we'll see you guys again this uh this season. Uh thank you so much to Philip, thank you to Ali. Uh have a great night you guys. Well, uh Philip, will you be live tweeting the game tomorrow night? Uh I
2: actually will not be live tweeting the game tomorrow night. Uh my 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 day job is going to get in the way, but I'll I'll have a complete recap on Orlando Magic Daily as well as on Locked On Magic after I actually watch the game. <laughs> You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part
0: of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
4: Hey, Prime
2: members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.